This week on Nintendo Main, we talk about the launch of the Game Boy Advance and all the launch titles that it had. You can put the Super Nintendo in your pocket. It's on the go. Welcome to Nintendo Main, episode 51, first episode out of the year 2017. Yay, we're back. Happy New Year, folks. Happy oh. New Year, guys. <laughs> we are your hosts. And gals. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson, and... I'm Jeremy. Uh, no backlight, Mikowski. Yeah, no backlight. Did you know that apparently you could have taken that apart and put a light in there? Or you can buy one now? Yeah. That, uh, does, was that, a, that wasn't available at launch, was it? It wasn't at launch, but there was a kit that came out. It's called the Afterburner. Yeah, the Afterburner. It was, it was before the SP came out. Afterburner was, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, you still had to send in your device to have it installed. I don't think it came as a DIY kit, but I might be wrong. There are kits now, aftermarket kits. Yeah, but uh, the, we'll we'll get to that later. That's that's part of our topic. But uh, let's do news. I don't think there's a whole lot of news, but let's talk anyway. It's been a couple weeks. We missed last week because of the holiday. But uh, how was your Christmas? Christmas was good. Uh, mostly just hanging out with family and bouncing between locations. Didn't really uh, do anything too crazy for Christmas with video games other than bought some stuff on Steam for my PC, what did which you- is not Nintendo. Now, what did you get for Steam? Well, I finally grabbed a copy of uh, Final Fantasy X. I've never played that game. I've always wanted to play it. And uh, the last Final Fantasy I played all the way through was nine, so it makes sense to play ten. Yeah. I uh, also bought a Final Fantasy. I bought Final Fantasy XV. And I bought myself, and I bought myself a PlayStation 4 also as a non-Tendo thing. But I think it's something we should talk about anyway because... I feel like it would be a really missed opportunity if Final Fantasy XV is not a launch title for the Switch. I mean, maybe it's not powerful enough, but I I would like to... You know, there's games that were originally on Nintendo that I think should be back with Nintendo, and Final Fantasy is one of those in particular. Especially since this new game is actually pretty good. Like, I've, I've been enjoying a lot of it. And it reminds me a lot of a little game that we talked about called Xenoblade Chronicles. So it's been pretty cool. Wait. I like hearing you say that because that's what I've heard. I've heard that uh, it's got some similar elements to it that Xenoblade had. It does, except Xenoblade like moves a lot better. Like the characters move much better. Like the characters are incredibly sluggish and slow in this one in uh, Final Fantasy, which is kind of annoying. Like I feel like it takes me forever to run from one place to another. Which maybe they were trying to do that to make it feel more realistic, but at the same time, it can be kind of annoying when you're going from like one area to another. But, um, and so I like the way you traverse better on, on a Xenoblade. And I was under the impression that you, that you got, that you could turn your car into a flying car, like while you're playing it. But I guess that you only get that after you beat the game. Like that was something I was kind of looking forward to, like the scales, you know, where like at a point you get, mm-hmm. you get to go farther, but it's not like that. Fly. And one thing, this is kind of a spoiler. Sort of. I mean, I haven't been looking enough into spoiler stuff because I'm not there yet. But uh, apparently, like, halfway through the game, the open world aspect disappears for some reason. So I'm not really looking forward to that. So we'll see. Oh, wait. So it's the opposite of the open world? Yeah. It does the other It does the other thing. Instead of, like, the open world getting bigger and, like, more fi- more parts to it, it basically disappears is what happens from, from what I've read. So, 
Yeah. Because I like the open world stuff a lot, but it's, it's, it'd be a shame when it, when it goes away. But it does go away halfway through. And apparently in Chapter 13, they thought it'd be funny to turn Chapter 13 into a level looking like it was from Final Fantasy 13. And there's a level that's a, that's a hallway that you walk down, which is incredibly not fun from what I've heard. So I'm not so really... So it's like self-referential, yeah. like <laughs> deprecatory, like self-deprecatory or whatever. I guess. Apparently that, that chapter has been critically panned by everyone. And, and apparently there's an update that they're going to do to try to fix it or something like that. But yeah, but, really? so, but so far I like the game, aside from all that other stuff that I've read about, which I haven't even gotten to yet. I've played it for like 10 hours and I've just been running around doing side quests and stuff. But I enjoy I it. Did, I did. I don't think I knew you were getting a PS4. I knew you got the game, but... Yeah, I got the game, and my roommate has been uh, gone for a while, and he took his PS4 with him, so I had no way to play it, so I just went ahead and bought one, because I was planning on getting one eventually anyway. And I was what was gonna... your cost, if you don't mind my asking? I got it for two fifty, and it came with... Uh... It came with it came with a game, and it came with a $25 gift card, so it's not that bad. I felt no, like not I bad got at all. It. I felt like so you I... bought it new? Yeah, I got it new. And it's a small version. It's a slim, so it's really tiny. It's like about it's like about this big. The five hundred gig version. Yeah, it's a five hundred gig, and I'm already they're already pretty much gone. And I and all I did was install the games that I had. I already own six games for the system, so it made sense to go ahead and get one. Because I've been because I've been like using Conan's and sharing sharing info and stuff on there it was kind of difficult, so it was better to just get my own. But just was it pretty easy to transfer your shit over? Anything that I did, I guess, under my account name transferred over. But I only I think the only thing I did with that was was like Mortal Kombat. It was like Mortal Kombat okay. ten, so that's the only thing that transferred over. But I don't really. I mean, I mean, I didn't really play on it that much. Like I, I did I'm you play playing, Metal Gear Solid? No, whatever the latest one was. No, I never played that game. But you're gonna do that now maybe <laughs> i mean i probably will eventually but i've just been playing final fantasy but yeah it's it's cool i like that you can buy uh, soundtracks from previous final fantasy games and you can listen to them in your car while you're getting driven around they don't, i haven't got to the point where i can drive yet which is weird <laughs> they don't they don't let me drive at night and when i drive at night there's monsters and stuff that destroy the car so i don't really do that but yeah it's cool i've been enjoying it there's a lot of references to older final fantasy games and i would really like to see it on the switch next week when they do the uh, switch presentation one can only hope right but, so close, man. But that should be it's something so that should be on there. But yeah, that was my non-Tendo news. As far as like... It's uh, one week from today. Yeah, it is. That's why this week we're doing the Game Boy Advance release, because I wanted to talk about a different lineup, since by next week we'll know what the lineup is for Switch and, and what the um, price is and all that. And we'll probably do we'll do some predictions, too, before we get into that. But let's finish off with our news stuff first. Um, right. I also got I also got a uh, stuffed Rowlet from my girlfriend for Christmas, which is pretty awesome. As far as like game related cool. toys, a Rowlet is the leaf starter from uh, the grass starter from Pokemon. For those of you who, okay. didn't, who didn't play Sun and Moon, it's that super cute owl with the little uh, bow tie. She bought me a little stuffed animal that's like this. Big. That also looks like the top of a bikini. Yeah, well, in the stuffed animal, it looks more like a bow tie because it sticks out from the because it's three D. It comes out from the body, but yeah, it's really cute. Super cute, and I got I got her a 3ds for Christmas, which I think I I didn't. Yeah, no, we did, we did. I didn't say it on the show last week because I didn't want to give it away. But I got her a 3ds, and I got my niece a GameCube with Paper Mario for Christmas, and she really liked that. Got it for her to take to college because she's 18 now, so thought that she should have a system that I had in college to play, and she was pretty excited about it. So that's cool. Hell yeah, man! And you could buy her GameCube games for future gifts. Yeah, because a lot a lot of them cost more than the GameCube. <laughs> I was surprised right. that, this, that this one came with Paper Mario. That actually really helped because maybe get her a waiver. That'd be a good idea. In my yeah, in my budget, I couldn't afford uh, getting a GameCube and a game. But I found one. I won an auction on eBay, 
for this one, which was like twenty five plus like eighteen dollars shipping, but it came with Paper Mario and all and a controller and all the cords and all that. You find a lot of GameCubes on eBay that are just the box. There's not an actual. There's not any in the cords with it, so this was good that way. But yeah, did you? Uh, what have you bought aside from your Steam stuff, or have you gotten anything else? Aside from my Steam stuff, no, I haven't really. I've just been trying to like consolidate all my collections and figure out what I actually have, and have a plan of attack for playing games because I keep downloading games and I keep buying games, but I'm not really playing them. Oh yeah, point. yeah. You have to like strategize or keep keep a notebook saying like uh, this is the one that I've done here. I need to finish this one. <laughs> I try to just keep it in my mind, I guess, because I'm still working on Final, or not Final Fantasy. I'm still working on Dragon Quest Seven, and uh, Dragon Quest Eight is actually right around the corner. I I put down a reservation for one when I picked up uh, the PlayStation Four, because Dragon Quest Eight comes out like a week after the Switch presentation. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in the episode following our Switch episode, which will be next week. Our Switch episode is going to be baller. Yeah, it will. Yeah, I hope so. It's, uh, you were telling me that you have to work during the event, unfortunately, so you have to watch it. You guys will have to take well, breaks and watch it on I your phones. Or... <laughs> I think I'll be able to watch it because it starts at 10, and that's when I'm done with work, so I can have it playing while I close down. Oh, okay. That's actually fine. Yeah, and it's like so I think live. I'll be able to yeah. watch it. I won't be able to have my eyes glued to the screen, but I'll be able to like watch it and then go home, watch it again. Yeah. I won't be too far behind what's happening. It's like a presentation where, like, but people I really are do wish I there. could have, like, yeah, I wish I could have a bucket of popcorn. And, yeah, if it's a presentation, then it may very well be going on still when I get home, and I can just keep watching it. Yeah, do you think it's going to go on like all day? I mean, it's night here because it's Japan time, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that. Like, since it's, it's like a live presentation, is it like E3? Is it going to be like a 10 hour thing? Like, will we be? I think it's going to be three or four hours. Is what I kind of gathered from all the rumors sure well i figured we'd record late whenever it's done and you know give our impressions and all that what do you think uh i guess we could just jump right into it do you have any predictions on like what they're gonna say in the switch thing next week we can make predictions right here all right well all right predictions gamecube virtual console i'm confident yeah i think that one's probably gonna be a thing what the real question is though are there gonna? Are you gonna have to buy different Joy Cons to play it, or are the analog triggers gonna be on there? That's what I want to know. Well, you know what? That's a good question because it would be kind of cool if they uh, if they announced GameCube functionality in the Virtual Console, and then they were like, also you can get the GameCube joysticks because Melee. Yeah. They're gonna have Smash Brothers Melee on the Switch, right? Yeah. That's the one that like everybody wants to use the GameCube controller in Brawl because Melee was so good or not. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, people like the GameCube controller for Melee. I believe the GameCube controller was developed particularly for the GameCube. But I think that the GameCube controller was developed for Super Smash Bros. Melee in particular, so that would make sense if they end up putting that on there for Virtual Console. But I was thinking more like... Uh, Having the analogs for Super Mario Sunshine, if that ends up being a virtual console thing, which I'm sure it will, because you know why wouldn't they? Another. So you think there might be a Joy-Con that has the uh, double clicky digital triggers or whatever they call them? Yeah, I mean, I think it would have to. It would have to to play Super Mario Sunshine. So maybe it already has that on there, or it has an attachment that will do that. It wouldn't surprise me. Like when you remember when the Wii came out, it's like you can't play Super Nintendo games unless you get the classic controller. So they mm-hmm. can do that again if that's what they're. Which was true. It was really hard to play yeah. SNES games with the. Uh, well, it wouldn't even with the. It yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't even let you do it. Like it would say. Uh, it would say you need a classic controller to do this. Like so, you had to have it for it to play it. 
Well, you could play. You could try to play with a GameCube controller. Oh well, yeah. The you way could, the, the yeah. way the buttons were laid out did not work well for the SNES Virtual Console. It didn't work well for yeah for stuff like F Zero that were or anything that where you had to like hold Y and hit B because they weren't like next to each other. So it kind of like it would mess up like playing uh, Donkey Kong or Smash Brothers or Super Mario World or any of those games wouldn't really work with it. Yeah, Mario World. But yeah, you, but you couldn't play it with like a Wiimote. Like you couldn't use just the Wiimote to play a Super Nintendo game. It wouldn't let you do that. So you had oh, to just use... straight up NES or yeah. uh, Genesis. Yeah, you could play Genesis with it because Genesis had three buttons. But that was hard to do also because you had to kind of like hit the A on the way on the side by the control pad. But yeah, I, I expect to I expect to see some GameCube stuff on there. I mean, that's what people keeps talking about. And uh, Laura Kate Dale, like she did that whole "Ask Me Anything" thing, like in between our last two episodes. And talked about a bunch of shit on that. Talked about like how the virtual console will be, you know, not exactly as big as you expect it to be, but there'll be some whatever's on there. And uh, so it was really only one time the virtual console like impressed people, and that was when it was first announced on the Wii. And then you know those first few months, as things trickled out, people were thinking even back then like why why aren't they releasing more stuff like. Why aren't we getting more of this system's games or that system's games? So I think no matter what, the virtual console is going to be disappointing. I think that's just the nature of the beast. There's a whole lot going on behind the scenes for those games to be ported in the first place. Yeah. And the, cons- the consumer doesn't care about that. They just want the games. So I think I think it was fair even before LKD, whatever her name is, like before she even said anything, I knew. I think we all knew we we're going to be disappointed by the virtual console. Yeah. Well, they, there's yeah. no way it's going to be the you know the orgy of awesome games we hope it would be like it's available from day one. Or I don't. I really don't foresee current games transferring directly. I think there will still be a fee to upgrade or whatever, like there was with the Wii U over the Wii. Yeah, I expect that. I expect there to be a, an upgrade uh, price for sure. But yeah, like you were saying, I mean, they have to like uh, redo everything to make it play correctly on the whatever the Switch is. So unless the Switch has like, is using like the same stuff that the Wii U's using to emulate it or whatever, they wouldn't be able to add everything up there from the beginning. So it's fine with the trickle down as long as they just don't give up on it and just keep doing it like every week, like they have been for the Wii U. I mean, we got a Mario Kart 64 finally <laughs> on that last week, so that's cool. Guess what we're getting tomorrow? Well, I don't know. What are we getting tomorrow? Pokemon Snap. Yeah, Pokemon Snap. That's a cool game. I like that game. It's finally happening. Yeah, it's finally snapping in, as some people say. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, as far as I know, you're not going to be able to use your uh, Wii U gamepad as the camera, unfortunately. That would oh. be awesome. You can't, and you probably can't take it to Blockbuster to print out your photos like you used to. Oh, wait, they don't exist anymore. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to take it to uh, Redbox. <laughs> they have printers at Redboxes? They might. But yeah, no, you just it just sends you a digital copy to your smartphone. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. They they should have yeah they could have like incorporated that in, in there somewhere. Well, you can take screenshots through Meverse. You could you could do that, and you can pull that stuff up on your phone. I've done it before. Something weird that I noticed. Speaking of Meverse, something weird I noticed about Pokemon Sun and Moon is that you can't post Meverse with that game. I you, didn't know that. I mean, you can post, but you can't post pictures. You can't like post screenshots of the game. You can wow. say you can say like, "Hey, this game is cool," and just type it in, but you can't put any pictures from the game on there, which is like that's weird. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Mario um, Super Mario Maker's like that too. Which I ended up getting that in between our past two episodes, and I played that a lot. It's really fun. The levels are really hard, but it's a lot of fun. I forgot to mention that I got that. We That's will cool. eventually have an interim episode 
releases a bonus later because I'm still editing it. <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't mention that one because I wasn't sure if it was uh, going to see the light of day or not. I'm about halfway through it. Okay. Well, we'll call that episode 50A then, since this is episode 51. There since we, go. we said that at the top of the show. So be, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that one. There was a, there was also a rumor. Well, this is like a rumor about it, when there's any sort of Nintendo announcement about anything ever. Somebody was like, Oh, I heard that Mother 3 is going to be on the Switch. It's like, Oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. But you, but you know, like every time there's any sort of like announcement about anything is like, Oh yeah, Mother 3. Like, okay. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe Mother herself will come out and, pre- and present it at the live presentation, which we mentioned in one of our previous episodes about, uh, who see this Mother person? That's kind of like, yeah, of course, yeah, sure, rumor, Mother 3. I mean, if it's gonna be on anything, it'll probably be on that, right? Cause that's the newest thing, so maybe. Well, I, I don't, I, I mean, that would be even less surprising than when they released Earthbound Origins, is that what it was called? Earthbound Beginnings. Be- beginnings, sorry. <laughs> when they released Beginnings, like, that was, truly surprising like mother three as much as it's been canceled i don't know i guess it would be equally surprising but still from the ground up a, a new earthbound game five bucks <laughs> yeah mother three that they, they think people think it'll be on there maybe hopefully that'd be great what about uh i mean what about games like how many how many games do you think will be at launch like i'm pretty sure skyrim will be on there as a launch game the mario game probably be a launch game the really one, the one that karen played a new mario game that's what i think yeah because I, I don't i don't think that zelda will be a launch game i'm still i'm feel, i'm feeling the delay on that one i think it's gonna get delayed i think it might not come out till like june i don't know i'm feeling a zelda delay on that i'm thinking that maybe mario will be a launch maybe not i don't know what do you i mean how many games do you think they're gonna have at launch for this take take a guess five 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 <laughs> that's a five <laughs> that's like, a that's a small games. amount I don't know how many. I don't know how many the I'm Wii U not actually had. Console, I'm not counting like uh, indie games. I'm not counting any of that. I'm just saying five, like like straight up. What, I'm, I'm saying straight call, up like, like cartridges AAA titles or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Like straight up cartridges that you would buy like with boxes. You know, like, I'd say five. There'll be Arkham Knight Switch Edition will be on there, <laughs> right? <laughs> Batman Arkham Knight Switch Edition. This from uh, whenever. Um, there'll be there'll be Skyrim on there. Maybe that basketball game that they saw on the video, maybe that'll be in there. 2K, 2K whatever, 2K17, something like that. I'm going to say I I don't think there's going to be a Mario game. If there is, it's not going to be like a 3D one. It's going to be another new Mario game. Oh, really? No, well, we they wouldn't do that, though, would they? We haven't seen any footage of that, though. That would be like Wii U all over again. I'm thinking new 3D Mario. That footage in the commercial looks so corny. I just don't believe like there's a Mario game ready to rock. Yeah, that would be awesome if there was, though. Unless it was like an HD remake of Mario Galaxy, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool, but I don't know. Like if they had a Mario Galaxy HD collection or something. Yeah, for sure. Well, our Mario Galaxy HD collection would be really cool. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe all of them will be rehashes for the most part, like Mario Kart 8, I'm sure. I think Skyrim will happen. Splatoon. I, I mean, Skyrim seems like something that would be a launch, right? A launch title, mm-hmm. I think. Final Fantasy 15 would be would blow my mind. That would be is that, that even out for the X-Bone, or is it only out for PS4 right now? No, I think yeah. it's out for both systems. I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think I think they came, both came out at it's the same time. It's not out for PC. No. I know that much. Yeah. Is it supposed to come out for PC? I mean, it probably will eventually. Uh, has not been confirmed. Yeah, it would be, I mean, 
it would make sense for it to be on there. That's what Nintendo should be looking for is trying to get the games that are have come out to be on there. You know, like Dragon Quest Builders and like Doom and Final Fantasy or like Dishonored, like any whatever games just came out for these systems, it should be on Switch too. If they can handle I don't know the all the details on the on the specs and all that, but I would hope that it could We will know next episode. PS four and Xbox One games yeah we will we will know next episode we're gonna have a lot of questions answered next episode what do, you, really what do you think uh what do you think on the um do you think they're gonna go up for reservation like during the presentation i know i've mentioned that before like because they did it before in other like directs where they're like oh yeah you know where they did it for like the majora's mass 3ds they're like oh it's available right now and then it sold out in like two seconds pretty much well supposedly it's up for yeah. pre-order at some game stops already even though they don't not in the u.s i was gonna say even though they don't have a price or like a date or anything right what do you think about date for it i gotta i'm just gonna check i gotta see when mar 10 is because <laughs> that's when i think it should come out but I know Nintendo, they release everything on Fridays. Oh, wait. Mar 10 is a Friday. I'm calling it. Mario Day. Mar- would be amazing. Mario Day. Mar 10. That's when it's coming out. We're calling it right oh, here. Mar 10. I'm going to hop on there with you, man. Mar 10. Mar 10 all the way, man. Nintendo main would, hashtag Mar 10. would have to be a Mario game. <laughs> sure yeah that would be awesome if they did if they incorporated mario day in there and actually released the game with it and that could be their release date for this new mario game and sunshine and galaxy hd and whatever else shit they want to give you on it i do see a day one game boy or game boy i see a day one on gamecube vc uh i don't know if it's going to be a remake but there's going to be something gamecube like what blue storm or something wave race (laughs) i don't know wave race blue storm day one (laughs) <laughs> virtual console that'd be cool i guess we'll have to wait till next week but i thought we could do just a little bit of a little bit of predictions there i'm wondering some good predictions here um, i'm wondering how the whole I, I think that the uh virtual console stuff's gonna cover a wide array like i think we'll get several virtual console games but just like one for each i don't think it'll be like a huge smattering of vc releases Oh, so you're saying like there'll be one NES game and like one Super Nintendo game, mm-hmm. one GameCube game, and like one Turbo Graphics Maybe all the Mario 16 games, game, Mario and one uh, Commodore 64 game. game. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice, I guess. I don't know. I figured they might that they would just do one thing, or I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm wondering how the whole presentation is going to work, like how they're going to divide it, or like is there going to be a speaking part, or is it going to be a demo part? Like I'm interested to see how it's all going to come together because I guess people are going to actually go to it. Like there'll be people there, you know, people from like from you know review places will probably be there. I'm sure like IGN will be there and all that watching it. So it's cool that it's like an actual event. One more prediction. I think uh, updated Meverse, of course. Yeah. I think a more lightning quick Meverse with video sharing built in not just like proprietary to the games but like you can share whatever that you play on your switch through the meverse yeah that would be cool i'd I'd be i'd be totally into that because apparently there's those like two buttons on there that we're not really sure what they do on the switch controller people have said that maybe one of them's a share button but yeah i like meverse a lot and i would like to see it come back and yes be much much quicker and you know have you be able to go like back and forth between one and the other it'd be nice to have some sort of instant message like your friends like yeah instantly yeah 
I w- it should have some sort so of suspend know. mode too, which I'm sure it does. I mean, I know it does from like switching from the dock and not, but like from playing the PS4, like I can basically like basically hit the PlayStation button and go to rest mode and the PS4 will like shut off pretty much and I can turn it back on and then I'll go right back to where I was on Final Fantasy 15 with no loading whatsoever. Pretty awesome. I like them having that type of thing in there. So, so do you want to take a quick break and get to the topic then now that we've done our predictions? Yeah, I just wanted to make some good predictions. Uh, um, For sure. Do you have any more predictions before we go to the break? I think that, yeah, I do, back to what you said before, I think uh, pre-order will be announced. I don't know if it'll happen immediately, like during the presentation, but I think that, I think they're going to gauge their hardware production on pre-orders, which is a smart thing, and I wish they would always do that. So they'll actually have enough to, yeah, they should actually have enough to give to the people that pre-order. But I'm afraid that the pre-orders are going to, like, stop at a certain spot. I, I've heard, I saw something online, somebody saying, like, uh, on the NBC group saying, like, I'm going to camp out in my car, like, in front of the GameStop so I can go there, like, the day after when they open and go get a reservation, thinking that it's going to, you know, that it, you're going to be able to do it. Which may be, I mean, it's only, like, two months away from the presentation, so. I don't know. We'll and see. if the NES Classic taught us anything, you got to be on the ball for that shit. Yeah, you got to be on the ball. You got to start. You got to my our our friend of the show John Knitter, he uh I don't know if I mentioned it before, but he sat in front of Best Buy for like 3 days waiting for the Wii to come out because he wanted to be first in line for it. And I thought that sounded like a crazy thing at the time and I was like you don't have to do that. But now we're in the world in the future where you actually do have to do that. We may have to camp out for like 3 days to actually get a switch. Just crazy. And he didn't have one reserved. He just waited in front of Best Buy for like three days to just walk in and get a Wii. But he got one, so it happened. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the the Game Boy Advance launch and its titles. Stay tuned. So uh, it was uh, it was actually almost 15 years ago. It was uh, 2001 when the Game Boy Advance launched. A couple months before the uh, GameCube came around, it was uh, what was the last last June, June 2016 would have been the 15 year anniversary of the Game Boy Advance. I guess we could have done it then, but we decided to do it now because of the Switch launch being around the corners next week. So this week we're going to talk about uh, Game Boy Advance. And their launch lineup, which from my, from what I could tell is the largest amount of games Nintendo has had as a launch lineup. They had like 17 games, which is amazing. Yeah, they were ready for this. And that's crazy to, to think because what, the Game Boy Color was just a couple years before that. When was the Game Boy Color? I feel like it was three years before. Yeah. It, but I was like still, I thought I was still in, uh, I was still in high school when the Game Boy Color came around. Wasn't it like 97? Something like that? I feel like. I thought the Game Boy Color came out in 98. Oh, maybe it was 98. It could have been like early 98 because I, gra- I graduated in the summer. Pokemon came out in 96 of... and then Pokemon Yellow came out in 98. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it could have been like earlier 98, I guess. Because I felt like I got that it was out while I was still in high school. But I mean, that's still a good amount of time. If it came out in 98, that's like three years. I mean, the Game Boy Color was just like, it was just an addition to the Game Boy. It wasn't like a whole new system, you know, where the Game Boy Advance was a whole new system. Yeah, there were some exclusives, but it was a very backwards compatible thing. It was... Like you said, just an incremental increase of what they already had. Yeah, it basically looked the same. It just this one had more color, you know. 
But the Game Boy Advance was like different graphics, a much better looking graphic. But the Game Boy, I was looking at the Game Boy Advance launch lineup and they had 17 games right out of the gate, which, which is what I said before. Let me read them off to you real quick. Uh, I, I managed to play all of them before we recorded this episode, so I'll be able to say a little bit about each thing. Some of them I played for longer than others because some of them are kind of throwaway, but some of them I actually found some games that I really, really liked in there. But here's the list in alphabetical order. Army Men Advance, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, Choo Choo Rocket, Earthworm Jim, F-Zero Maximum Velocity, Fire Pro Wrestling, GT Advance Championship Racing, Iridian 3D, Konami Crazy Racers, Namco Museum, Pinobi, Wings of Adventure, Pitfall, The Mayan Adventure, Rayman Advance, Ready to Rumble, Boxing Round 2, Super Dodgeball, Super Mario Advance, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. It's quite a list. Which, uh, I, I remember showing my Game Boy Advance to you, like, that summer. Cause, uh, we, uh, whenever, after we went to Warp Tour, we, like, went out to eat somewhere, and I remember showing the, showing you that I had one. We're like, here, here's, uh, Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Uh, I can't tell what's going on in it, but it looks cool, <laughs> you know. So, that game was really hard to see. Yeah, well, but it was so much fun. Do you, is there any sort of particular order that you want to go in for these for going through the games? I would just—I uh, remember getting my Game Boy Advance around the time that it came out. I remember showing it to you, like right after we went to Warp Tour. When did you pick yours up? Do you remember? I got mine. My uh, it would have been my sophomore year of college, so it would have been two thousand two. Right? Okay. Uh, no, it would have been fall of 2001 when I got mine. So not long after the launch. Yeah, because it, uh, it came out in the summer. Yeah, I bought it off of a... You know what I want to say? Okay, it was spring of 2002. I know that because I had some friends that came to school for the second semester. And one of my friends that I met, Brandon, had a Game Boy Advance. And he was like, I don't really like this. I'm going to sell it. And he sold it to me for like, I think, 50 or 60 bucks. I think it came with Tony Hawk 2 and... Golden Sun. Oh, okay. Do you know how much the Game Boy Advance was when it came out? Did you look that up? Do you remember? It was a hundred, right? I don't remember. I guess I could have looked that up. I just played the games. I didn't actually research anything. Uh, you're right. The Game Boy Advance was released in 2001 for nine ninety nine ninety nine USD. That's what I thought. Which they say is one hundred and twenty three, like with inflation nowadays. But yeah, it was a ninety nine ninety nine. You're correct. So yeah, the Game Boy Advance came out for a hundred, and you bought it for what did you get it for from that guy? I'm pretty sure I paid about 60 bucks yeah, for so, two games. So that's a good deal. I was going to ask you what your first two games were or what which games you got from that launch lineup. Was that the only game that you got from that launch lineup off the front was uh, Tony Hawk 2? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got I remember the first two games that I got for it were Castlevania Circle of the Moon and Tony Hawk 2. So those were my launch lineup games. I bought F0 Maximum Velocity way farther down the road when it was cheaper, but I did have um yeah, I ended up owning a few of those. Like I had a, like I had Fire Pro Wrestling, which that was a thing. Like I remember John and I went to a GameStop and he, and we found it there for like $5. And he's like, dude, it's only five. You should get it. So he kind of like pushed me into getting it. So I got it. I don't know where that copy of it is that I had. I couldn't find it for this, unfortunately. So I had to play it through an emulator. But there was another, I also had Tony Hawk 2 at one point. I lost that one. I bought it again for like 250 from a used game place. They let me look, go through their bargain bin, and I found uh, I was able to find Tony Hawk, Pitfall, Rayman, and Namco Museum in there for about like I don't know, for like a little over ten dollars probably for all those. So wasn't that bad? Very nice, man. So I did. So I did go out shopping for to see however many I could find of these, and I think only I think there's only two of no, there's four of them available on the on the Wii U Virtual Console. You can get F Zero Maximum Velocity, Konami Crazy Racers. 
Super Mario Advance and um, Castlevania Circle of the Moon are the only ones that are available on Virtual Console of those original games. What was your first Game Boy Advance? What did it look like? Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was the, you know, it was one of those, the little non backlit. I think it was, I think it was purple. It was either pink or purple. I think those okay. were the, the colors that were out. I had the I pinkish purple one. I don't remember where. I mean, I sold it. I, I traded it in to get a Game Boy Advance SP, so I don't have it anymore. But I do. I, ha- I do actually own one of the, uh, purple translucent ones. It's not the same one I had, but it's the same color I had. So that was also one of the reasons when he sold it to me, I remember he was like, Man, I didn't really want to buy this pink Game Boy Advance. <laughs> yeah, it's the one, it's the only one I could find, so I'm gonna sell it to you. And he didn't really care that much, but I was like, whatever. Like, it's it works as a Game Boy Advance, and I did buy Circle of the Moon like immediately. I went out and bought that. I think yeah. the same day or within a few days. Oh, sure. So, so you had Circle of the Moon and Tony Hawk Two as well. We both had the same uh, launch games. But um, yeah, I actually I also have a I have a Game Boy Advance that I was actually playing. When I was playing these games, I played them through the Game Boy Player of the GameCube, so I could play it on a TV. But I used my purple Game Boy Advance that I have now, which an old roommate left, to I used it as a controller to play the game, so I could, uh, you know, feel the way the game would have played on it on that Game Boy. Except, very you know, nice. Except I didn't use try to, except I didn't try to take one of the lights and like tape it to the back of my head or whatever, so I could see the, <laughs> so I could actually see the game. I played it off a TV, but I still played it with the Game Boy, so it's cool. I was wondering if I could, I probably could have like hooked it up to my computer and played it as a controller on that. Cause I was playing on the emulator. I was playing those with a GameCube adapter. So I was playing with the GameCube controller, the Game Boy games. So I might have been able to, if the, if the whole game, the whole contraption, the adapter would have worked on that. I could have played it like that. I didn't even think about it until later, but from going through the games, there were, um, there were some pretty good games on there that, that I had missed that I didn't, that I didn't really know about. There were, and, Believe it or not, there were like three. They had three racing games like right off the bat there at the beginning, and all of them are pretty decent. Like even that GT Advanced Championship game is pretty good. Which but, I watched a video on that, and it's yeah, it looks like it a looks nice for the PlayStation time. game. It looks like a PlayStation game, like a, a launch like PlayStation game, I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, it was like which a lot of these games do look like that because they were thirty-two. It was a thirty-two bit console. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, I mean, it was very, it was very mode 70, like that one was. It was mode 70 and it had like the big sprites on it, you know. So do you want to go through the list of the games then that I have in any particular order? We could start with that one, I guess, since we were just talking about it with a GT, sure. with GT Advance. I made all my notes on a fucking pad here, so you will probably hear some, some of this. So bear with me. A little bit of clicky clicky. It's okay. <laughs> GT Advance Championship Racing. Now I I enjoyed the game for the most part. Like one of the one of the major things which I found, and I looked at a lot of old IGN reviews of these games, just because there was probably some stuff that I missed that they said. And apparently that game in Japan it had a save battery in it, and when it was released in America they took the save battery out. So in order for you to keep all of the like stats of like all the races that you want and all the cars that you want and all that, they give you like this fifteen digit password that there's like eighty thousand of them. Like to it's ridiculous. Like so that's kind of like a killer for the game. But if you're playing it now on an emulator, that doesn't really matter because you can just save whenever you want. But I thought it was I was really impressed with the game. I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like you can go and unlock all these cars and there's like fifty some races on here. But then, you know, I didn't know because I didn't never turned off the system because I was playing it through an L emulator but if you would have played it on an actual game boy in order to save everything you had to write down these incredibly long passwords 
and put that That's in every time you had to start up, which really sucks. That kind of like fifteen, yeah, fifteen years before in nineteen eighty six, they did the same thing to Metroid and uh. Kid Icarus. Oh, yeah, where you could save in Japan, but you couldn't save here. Well, that's because they had the disk drive, but there's not really an excuse for this. I guess they just did it because it's cheaper, but it's like a dumb idea. But uh, they said that you could order, at the time, you could order an import version of it, and it's all in English anyway. So it's like, why even bother with the American version and just order a Japanese one? I guess in 2001, importing was a bit more difficult than it is now. But, but yeah, it was enjoyable. I played through, like, the first, I played through, like, the beginner set of races, and I unlocked a couple, couple cars, and there's a lot of, like... SUV looking cars in there, <laughs> which are kind of big van looking things, which is weird, but you can, there's some sporty stuff in there too. But yeah, it's cool for, from, for what it was. For the videos I saw, it kind of looks like your sprite. It, it reminds me of Mario Kart 64. You know, it's, it looks like it's 3D, the, the uh, actual player model, but it's a bunch of sprites that rotate or that change. Yeah based on your rotation and there's basically like an axis that you're moving along like a spot on the ground that the the sprites are on top of and they're moving you know what i mean yes yeah, yeah it's a big sprite that rotates and it's on top of a moving mode seven racetrack is basically how it works the, not, yeah the big problem with this game is sometimes because of like how the mode seven is it's kind of hard to tell like where the track is and where it isn't because i have found myself trying to go down a road that i can't go down because the way it separates is kind of hard to tell where it is. So that was kind of a problem that I had with it. But but it does also flash the big arrows at you to warn you where the turns yeah. are, right? Yeah, it tells you where to turn. But sometimes there, like, there was a part where I was like, oh, that looks like a shortcut, but I couldn't take it because it was just weirdly marked. Stuff like that. There's like parts where the road just ends, like with a divider, but the divider doesn't stick out enough for you to know where it is. And you can drive through streetlights, which... If that bothers you, then whatever. Like, it doesn't actually stop the car. You just pass right through it like it's made of air. Which isn't really a complaint. It's kind of cool that it has streetlights in there that has, like, big sprites. But you drive through them, and they don't actually have any damage to them. But I did kind of a, like, a sort of a rating system in my notes saying, like, whether I thought it was a good buy or not, if you would have bought it. And I put yes for this, that I that I would, if you bought it, you wouldn't have been disappointed with it. You know, back back then... You couldn't really, there wasn't really anywhere you could rent Game Boy Advance games, so it was kind of, you just buy it and, you know, you're stuck with it. But if I would have bought that one when the Game Boy came out, I would have been okay with it. It sucks to have to jot down all of those passwords, but I guess that's the way that is. If I would have known, I would try to go for the Japanese import of it. But if you're into like more... $30. Yeah, if you're, if you're into more realistic uh, racers, it's totally there. Even though I think that the Konami Crazy Racers is probably the best racing game on there at launch. And probably in and probably in total for Game Boy Advance, I ended up really, really, really loving that game. And that game I already had on Virtual Console, so I, so I'd already spent some time with. But I just played more of it. And if you want to do a segue, we can go straight to that one after this. Is that on the Wii U Virtual Console? It is on the Wii U Virtual Console. And I bought it a while back just because you know somebody said like, "Oh, that game's really cool." So I got it, but I didn't realize it was a launch game until doing the research for this episode. It's but a yeah, gem. yeah, it is. A, it is a hidden gem. It's actually a really good game, and it's a. It's some of the they they call them a driver's test. You have to pass a driver's test before you can unlock different race tracks. So basically, it's like when you start, it's like oh, you get the A cup, and you and you play those, and it's like oh, do you want a driver level C or driver level S or whatever? In order to get to those next ones, you have to pass these driver tests. So it's like a. It reminds me very much of like the Mario Kart DS missions where you had to like go through and do specific things. Like one of them is like you have to win this race, but you're going backwards and everybody else is going the regular way. So you have to beat this time. 
but not run into anybody like while you're trying to do it. Like stuff like that. You know, there's like little challenges in there. So that's cool. And there's four secret characters in there. There's some really bizarre. You can play as Dracula from Castlevania. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to put one of the Belmonts in a cart. So they had this chibi looking Dracula in there who looks really silly and looks nothing like the Dracula who's in Circle of the Moon, by the way. They look nothing alike whatsoever. But like Gomon and AB and B. Sumero are in there from uh, Mystical Ninja. And the um, the baseball players from uh, the MLB Konami game is in there. The guys with like the big the fat heads. I forget. Uh, you can play as the ship from Gradius. Yeah, that's an unlockable character, which I thought was pretty awesome. And you can also play as the big giant Easter Island heads from Gradius that you fight as a boss. There's just like some really so, big, really bizarre characters in there. Yeah. I was wondering what the Easter Island heads were from. Oh yeah, that's from Gradius. That's one of the Gradius bosses. But you can unlock the actual. Like I was looking through, it's like, oh, you can invite, unlock a Vic Viper is what it's called. And I was like, oh, that's, they're like, yeah, it's the thing that, the, the ship that's in there. And I thought it was maybe the guy who drove the ship and it'd just be, you know, the pilot or whatever, but it's the ship. Like you're, you're, it's just your card. It's just the ship from Gradius. So I thought that was really cool. And there's like a bear tank, which is from Rakuga Kids, which I haven't played. And there's a Naomi and King from Poppin' Magic or Poppin' Music. Another Konami game I haven't played. You can play as Gray Fox from Metal Gear Solid, which is pretty awesome. Gray Fox is a racer. is interesting. If you play with him, he uses the stealth armor and disappears like after he wins. But everybody has different animations that they do when they win. Like the bear tank, he like falls asleep when he goes past the thing. And they all do different stuff. I didn't beat anything as Dracula. I wonder what he would do. But yeah, there's a, you know, you go through and you, uh, there's your regular race set. And then there's the... There's the license, and there's also like, uh, you know, there's multiplayer stuff. Like, you could do it with the uh, cable and all that, which is cool. So, there's plenty of, plenty of stuff to do on there. And uh, it has a killer uh, intro song, too, which uh, I'm just going to play for a second for you on here. Yeah, there was a there was, there was actual like music with lyrics on Game Boy Advance right out of the gate, which I think is pretty awesome. Like once you get into playing the game for a while, it does get a little annoying on the menu because every time you go to the menu, it's like my racer, and it's like pretty loud, but it's enjoyable. I like that. I like that game a lot. That's a definite buy for me. I think that's probably uh, I don't know. I put it up there like if I was thinking about making a top five or something of launch titles, I'd definitely put that in the five. I don't know where it'd be, what number it would be, but I would definitely. If I was to go back in time and be able to only buy, like, two games again, I think that would be one that I bought instead of, like, maybe Tony Hawk, which Tony Hawk is still an okay game. but And we can segue we can segue to that one after that, since I just talked about it. Um, yeah, Tony Hawk 2, that was the first uh, portable skateboarding game. And it was, I believe it came out post-Tony uh, Hawk 2 on 64, because it was between... It did, so... Yeah, because it was between that and Tony Hawk 3 for GameCube, because the GameCube mode came out, it came out a few months later. This is one of the first games I remember, like, reading reviews for online. Like, I know there are other games that I read reviews for online, but I really remember the IGN review of this game being like, you know, don't discount it because it's isometric. Don't discount it because... yeah. It's obviously like cramming something into this hardware that can't really handle the source game, but it's a good game. It translates well. You know, I just remember reading all this and being like, eh, I don't know about that. And that's one of the games you showed me at that IHOP or Denny's or where, wherever we were. Oh, yeah, because that and was that, the first game I got. <laughs> that, like I said, that and uh, 
Yeah, it was iHub or Denny's, something like that. Yeah, I remember, like, you handed me your Game Boy, and I, I started playing it a little bit, and I'm like, holy shit, this, like, I didn't really understand how isometric could translate to being, like, still a 3D game. It's just a fixed camera angle. And, like, it really was, like, I was playing Tony Hawk. And I was very impressed by it. It, it required, like, wrapping your head around the fixed perspective, but it still worked, and the levels were the same that I had played in the PlayStation version, so yeah, this game impressed the shit out of me that it was in a portable. Yeah, it was a portable game. Yeah, no, it was impressive. Like it's it's incredible. And I find I still find it very difficult to to get some of the stuff in the isometric view though. Like it's hard to like go up and get the skate letters and stuff like that. But aside from yeah, if you're okay with playing it like that, it's incredibly smooth. Like it's like runs very smoothly, runs very well. Like everything's really responsive. And I was able to you know do the same tricks that I would on a regular Tony Hawk game. So it, it's pretty cool. Um, the uh, soundtrack's kind of funny because they didn't really, they were un- unable to put like actual songs on there, like how most Tony Hawk games are known for that. So that was kind of something I missed on it. And I felt like the, when you're going through and changing the characters, they all kind of look like weird faceless zombies. <laughs> like if you look at them, because they're all very, but they were fully polygonal. They were, they were, they were, they, but they were super low poly and there's like no, there's no detail on their face. And like some of the bald guys like kind of look like, like pinhead zombies, I guess, or like pinhead monsters. Like it looks like their heads like come to a point and all that and they look kind of frightening like when when you're going through there and looking for your characters but still super impressive that a launch title for the game boy advance like showed something that the super nintendo could not have done which i don't know if we've really covered it yet but this was kind of like i think unofficially marketed as a, a pocket super nintendo yeah, and well, this is, like I said before, this is the first, the very first portable Tony Hawk game. And as I was looking through the bargain bin to find this game, I found like three other Game Boy Advance Tony Hawk games in there. I found Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, I saw, I found Tony Hawk Underground 1, and uh, Tony Hawk Downhill Jam, also on Game Boy Advance. So apparently it sold well because they kept making them, you know, they kept kept doing them over and over again. So, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was cool for what it was, you know, and I think I played it about as, as much as I could. And I tried playing it this time and I feel like I had, I had more patience for it this time, I think, than I did when I got it when I was like 21. There's also levels from Tony Hawk 1 in it as well. So it's kind of like a mixture of both of them, which I noticed. Like I know, like sort the, of a greatest hits. Yeah, and I know like the warehouse, like the original level is in there, like where you, the one where you come down, and uh, there's some other ones in there too. But I put it down as a good buy, as something that I you know enjoyed and would get again. And I'm glad to have it again. I bought it for two bucks, lost my other copy of it somewhere along the way, but it's fun. It did have battery backup. Yeah, it had had full on save, no no passwords, which is good. But the I wanted to play, I wanted to play one of the music songs just because uh, it's pretty bad. It's like, this is like their version of punk songs on here. I mean, it's not quite the same as the licensed songs from the other Tony Hawk stuff, but at least they got they got the feeling through. You know, it still feels like a punk song. It wasn't that song in particular, but there's another song in there that sounded that sounds a lot like Nazi punks fuck off. I mean, I don't think it actually is, but the way the song goes, it's like na 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 na. Like it sounds just like that. So 
I don't know if they were pulling from actual music or just they probably just had people writing it from playing it. It kind of reminded me of like of a Spider-Man Maximum Carnage. It kind of reminded me of like the, of those songs. I was going to say know? that it reminded me of Maximum Carnage. I was yeah, that. it kind of reminded me of that same sort of like, you know, like compressed guitar music from like Super Nintendo, even though uh, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance uh its sound system was not as powerful as the Super Nintendo. I know that for sure. Because uh, if you want to segue to Earthworm Jim on Game Boy Advance, which is another game that I played, the uh, soundtrack on that is pretty is not up to par. It's not as good as the Super Nintendo one. Especially the sound of the gun, the gun shooting doesn't really sounds really weird. It doesn't sound like an actual gun. But supposedly it, it sounds better than the Sega version of uh, Earthworm Jim one. But you can definitely tell that it's not. You can tell the difference if you're used to playing the Super Nintendo one. The controls definitely weren't as responsive, in my opinion. Did you look at anything on that? Which I thought that yeah, was what really... Yeah, what I read about it was that it was kind of panned as being a bad port. Yeah, I had a hard time getting through the first level, which I've been through the first level multiple times on, on Earthworm Jim. And and also the secret level, or the um, the bonus level that you play in between levels, like, was different. Like, it's you go through this tunnel in the Super Nintendo one, and you can move, like, up and down on the sides of the tunnel in that, but in this one you're just kind of static moving up and down on the screen and the tunnel's just behind you in front of you which is it's hard to explain it's kind of if you actually see it you can see the way it, the way it works but it's strange and and then the second level I couldn't even get through the second level because I couldn't get stuff that should have like I got stuck like stuff that should have worked didn't really work so I had a hard time playing that one I put So you feel like it was a bad port? Yeah, it was definitely a bad port. No what what you were saying for sure. Like I said uh the controls seem sluggish and uh the music you could tell the music was different. It's not it's not as good. And I thought it was a really weird game to port because at this time, I guess we had just had the Earthworm 64 game, I guess, which I thought nobody bought. So it was kind of a weird, I didn't feel like there was really an audience for Earthworm Jim, you know, like at this time. I and mean, this was 2001. I don't know when that game, I mean, when that game launched, like in the 90s, like it'd probably been like almost 10 years since then. And I'm, and I'm sure they wanted to start with the first one, but they should have just started with Earthworm Jim 2. They should have just released that because that's the better game, in my opinion. And I don't think that one ever came out. And in, in game for Game Boy Advance, I don't think this one performed as well as I thought it would. But it's a strange game to release as a launch, but it's, it happens, I guess. <laughs> it's just it was a weird. It, I, I I was kind of like when I saw it, I was like, wow, that was on Game Boy Advance. I had completely forgotten about it. Just another game to prove that yeah, they were marketing the uh, Game Boy Advance's SNES portable Super portable. Nintendo, right? Yeah. And another another big thing about Earthworm Jim is uh, there's no save, there's no password system, so you basically have to beat the whole thing in one sitting. Which there never was, right? There never was, but because of the nature of uh, handhelds, you know, you should be able to save whenever you want. You should be able to take breaks. In order to this, you you can't. And back in the when it came out, there was no way to charge your system or anything like that. So if you're playing it and you run out of batteries, you're fucked. You know, because you can't, like, pause it and change the batteries and turn it back on. You know, so that was kind of... I'm sure there... I don't know if there's a level select code in there. There might be. But, you know, that would that would help it, I guess. But that's like a, that's like a code. That shouldn't be something that somebody would find, you know. But yeah, I put... Which we didn't really mention the actual Game Boy Advance took two AA batteries. Yeah, two AA batteries. And I think you got between six and eight hours of battery life out of it. Um, so it was pretty good, but you know it, it could still fail you, and it was hard. It was really hard to see because it was not backlit. And yeah. I think a lot of the decisions were made based on cost and battery life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess that might have been a reason that they took. Maybe they took the same batteries out of some things. I don't know. 
speaking of, uh, this isn't really a segue, because I was talking about a possible having a level select code in it. There was one game that I was playing that did have level select code. Did you happen to look at the game Iridion 3D? Yeah. Any of the videos of that? That game looks amazing, but it's it looks incredibly hard. Really good. Not very fun to play, but the but draw it looks, distance looks terrible. It looks incredible. It looks well, I mean, the, it looks like you're almost like playing against like a full motion video or something. Like I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how exactly they do it, but it looks incredible. They look like actual like it looks it looks like polygonal, but I don't think it really is. I think it's just like some sort of video or something going. I don't know how they did it, but it looks it looks amazing. And I found a level select code on it. And I put in the code just to look at all the levels in the game and all the bosses because all the bosses and levels were like really fucking cool looking. So I played through that game for the most part. I couldn't beat the last boss, but I played through most of it so I could see all the stuff in it because it is like incredibly great eye candy. And it was, but it's kind of like a Star Fox game minus like all the fun stuff because all you can really do is move and shoot. I noticed that there's a couple games in here that are like one button games. Like that's a one button game. I think Pin OB is a one button game too. You know, it's just kind of just like move and hit one button. It's weird, but I guess that's what they were going for. But it does really show you like what this is capable of. Well, I think really a lot terrible. of these launch games were exactly that. They were trying to show how graphically superior this was to the Game Boy Color. Yeah. Or the Game Boy sure. Standard or the Game Boy Pocket or whatever. Yeah. There wasn't much to compare it to besides the Game Gear, which was even at that point in time was a joke. Yeah, well the game yeah, the Game Gear was, was a little bit more powerful than the Game Boy, right? But it I know it had horrible battery life. Supposedly it was For the sure. same level as the uh, Master System, so it was yeah, it was so close. It was kind of like Game Boy Color, probably. It was closer to the NES, somewhere between the NES and the SNES. But the Game Boy Color wasn't wasn't the Game Boy Color about the same as the NES? Yeah, it was. It pretty much was like yeah, an NES, a portable NES. So I mean, then that game be this the same? Uh, but yeah, I uh, I mean, it's weird. Like killing, I noticed that killing the guys doesn't really do anything for you, aside from them like you know not being around. But they pretty much they'll drive right past you or they'll fly right past you. So most of the game, I just pretty I spent most of the game just hiding and just trying not to get hit, aside from actually destroying characters because doing that was harder than it should be, you know. So most of the game, I was just dodging stuff instead of trying to shoot stuff. So kind of the the fun of it was not really there, you know. It reminds me a little bit of like a tempest and there's no in, in yeah. the sense that you're like always going down like a corridor and all yeah. your shots are firing towards like a vanishing point like everything's kind of like coming at you like a tube even when it's not sure. like in a tubular level and you're above clouds it's, or whatever it's, it's still like tubular yeah no everything everything feels like the like the corridor and uh there's only but if you like like take a game like radius like you know where there's the guy the guys come at you you destroy like a whole line of of bad guys and then you get a power up like, there's nothing like that in there. There's just, like, maybe uh, four or five power-ups per level, but they don't change. Like, you killing guys doesn't, like, add more power-ups to it or anything like that. So there's no reason to actually kill anybody. So you can just try to hide out in the corner and hope for them to just pass you, which a lot of levels you can. Like, there's some levels that I just made it through by doing that, just by hiding from the other ships, which makes it a boring game. But, man, it's, it's pretty to look at, though. It looks really cool. And it's, uh, it's one of those games that's just... You know, worth playing once, but I wouldn't recommend buying it. I guess unless you find it it's in a bargain. Super market. cheap, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really look. I didn't really look anything up, like price wise, like on eBay, aside from the ones that I bought in the store. So I don't know what that one's going for. I figured all of them would be pretty cheap. I didn't really look into it, but that one's, yeah. I mean, it'd be a cool thing to show off if you had one on the Game Boy at the time. And be like, hey, look how fucking cool this looks. Definitely an eye candy type of game that 
seemed like it didn't have much depth to it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what it was. Speaking of a game that's not an eye candy game, uh, Namco Museum. <laughs> that was kind of a weird game to be as to be as a launch game, and it only has like this one. I probably played for a total of like twenty minutes before I turned it off, but. Uh, I wanted to play it just, you know, just so I could play everything. There's only like five games on it. It's like Miss Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Pole Position, Galaga, and Galaxian. And Galaxian's like a really, really slow version of Galaga. <laughs> With a ship that kind of looks like a Y-Wing meets a, meets a Star Trek Enterprise. But yeah, I played, I played all of those games once. I played Pole Position a couple times. It has some weird physics on the turning on that, but I guess they did that for anybody who wanted, uh, to have portable arcade stuff with them. I just expected for it to have more games in it than just five. Right, but the cartridge size might have limited that. You know what? Probably yeah. not. Sure. But I guess I guess that was the thing. They're like, oh, well, now, yeah, so now that you have this portable Super Nintendo, Namco can release, like, their first first of, like, 30 Namco museums. I feel like there's been, like, hundreds of those that came after that. And there might have even been some before that, too. But, yeah, they'd just be like, oh, here's another, yeah, let's repackage Pac-Man again in here. here I did like a... I did like in Ms. Pac-Man, you have the option of either having the screen scroll because it was a it was a vertical oh, yeah, screen yeah. in the arcade. But the you know we all know the GBA was like a landscape. It was like the first portable console that had like a landscape. You know, it wasn't a, a square, whatever you want to call that, uh, sixteen by nine or whatever they call it. Sure. So in order to compensate for that, you could either have, either have the screen scroll or you could make it smaller. So I thought that was kind of cool, like, on Ms. Pac-Man, you had the option of the two different screen sizes. Because you could scroll and get a really nice, like, close-up view of what was happening in the action, but you couldn't see the whole playing field. Whereas in the original arcade, you would see the whole playing field at once. So in order to do that, you had to just shrink the whole thing, and then everything shrunk, but the game was still fully playable. So I think this is a great example of, like... uh, giving people options for the interface like that it happened where on a portable game console you could change the screen size for sure the um yeah i was a i was playing mine through a 20 inch tv so i was able to and i played it with the where you saw the whole maze but i'm wondering how small the maze would be on the actual screen of the game boy advance like if you chose to not do the scrolling version well there's so a lot of that. letterboxing for sure yeah but I mean, like, yeah, it's letterbox on both sides, so you're only getting like a third of the Game Boy Advance screen, so that's pretty tiny. I would, I would understand that that's probably the reason that they gave you the option to do scrolling or full screen, because I was playing it on my 20 inch CRT TV, and it looked fine to me, but I didn't try playing it on the actual system, so I would expect, since it does the side letterboxing, and it, you only get like a third of the screen, it might be hard to see where you're at in the maze. So I understand why they give you the other option. Because a 2.9 inch screen was the size of the Game Boy Advance. Screen. Yeah, it's small. So, and if you want to see the details of Miss Pac-Man and her and her bow tie and all that, her uh, hair bow, you would have to put it in scrolling. But yeah, I guess it's a way for. I guess maybe it was a way for to bring in those people who played video games in 1982, the Billy Mitchells of that era, who want to <laughs> want to bring them in to play a Game Boy Advance. So maybe that's why they had the Namco Museum on there.
you said you owned Rayman, right? Yeah. What did you think of that game? We'll just move on to that one next. I was actually impressed with that one. I gave that one a thumbs up. While I, I do too, it. man. It was fun. I, I never played all the way through it, but it was a very pretty game. The sprites were huge. Yeah, really large sprites is what I put on there. Because Rayman takes up like half the screen pretty much. Yeah. Um, this was a PS1 game that was converted. I think it had since been on several consoles, but um, a really good, a really solid uh, Game Boy Advance port. I mean, I thought the Game Boy Advance port was, was, uh, I thought it was built from the ground up. I mean, cause it looked like it was made for Game Boy Advance. I mean, Rayman 2 had already been released on 64 at this time, which was a port of the PS1 game, which was a fully 3D game, which was different. I'm pretty sure that this was, uh, made especially for the Game Boy Advance. But that was Ubisoft showing some support for a new system, which they've always done with Nintendo. Yeah. They've done it since the Game but, Boy Advance, right? Yeah. But you can, I'm just saying, you can tell, you can tell that they took inspiration from that Rayman game that was on PlayStation 1 and 64 and basically made it playable for for Game Boy. So they basically made it into a 2D game, and I figured they made the sprites so huge because of the screen size and all that. But yeah, it's it's a very very bright game. Basically takes yeah, it basically takes what, you know, one thing and turns it into a 2D game. So, it was fun and for what it was. I enjoyed it. It's very it's very charming. I felt like some of the levels were like super duper long though, and I got lost in a lot of them. Like there were some of them that were just like, man, Will this level ever end? And there was like six or seven parts to it. So there were some that were like pretty big, but it was it was really playable, and I understand like you know people enjoying it. If I remember I, it reminding me a little bit of Sonic and like the whole like it's a very vertical sort of thing. Like you have to go up high. Oh yeah, some some of them are. But yeah, to find all the uh, locked up Jinjos or whatever they're called, <laughs> the Lum Lums. <laughs> yeah, the Lum Lums. I think they're just called Lums. Actually, I think it's just one Lum. But yeah, yeah, you find them. And they're in cages. And you upgrade your punching power, like, as you go through the game. So you get, like, you get little, little upgrades and stuff. And you have to go through, like, the first level without even having a punch power, which is interesting. And then you, and then later you get to build, like, some sort of flower thing that you can jump off of. But yeah, the, there was, there was so much variety to the different levels that I, I could see myself playing through the rest of it now that I bought it on sale for $5. So it's one I, one I would return to. On the, at the same place, I bought, I also bought a, Pitfall, which is a game that I would not return to, but it has a similar it has a similar thing. Did you ever play Pitfall for Super Nintendo? Did you ever get into any of those? I sure did, man. This is this is my time to shine. I played through <laughs> that game all the way on Super Nintendo. Oh, did you play the Game like, Boy right, Advance one then? No, but when it first came out on Super Nintendo in '94, like uh, we rented it and we played it a lot, and then we decided we liked it enough we bought the game, and uh, we like as a family we all basically beat that my dad beat it my brother and me both beat it because i had a lot of nostalgia for pitfall back in the day when i was like a little little kid my cousin uh missy would babysit me and i'd like stay at her house and like i always remember like i'd play pitfall on her tv and then she'd say okay you have to stop playing pitfall because mash is going to be on then we'd watch mash (laughs) yeah so like pitfall and mash are like synonymous for me like growing up so Pitfall was always like a game I, I remembered playing as a kid that reminded me of Mario Brothers, which I played later. You know, Mario, I think, took some cues from Pitfall. Oh, and, sure. uh, well, yeah, Pitfall was old Atari stuff, jumping over. David Crane, man, David Crane. But, uh, yeah, so the whole Pitfall game is in Mayan Adventure, which is cool. It was a little secret that I remember finding out 
how to get to through like a, a video game magazine I read. I think it was EGM. Told me how to get to that, which on a certain level you have to go to a certain spot and you can like play through the original Pitfall game. So yeah, I played through this. Uh, it's a hard game. It's cheap. It's cheap as fuck a lot of the time, but uh, I liked it on the Super Nintendo. I never played on the Game Boy Advance, but as far as I can tell from what I've read, it was a direct port. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to ask you like how close it was because I never really like I said I never really played the Super Nintendo one. I found it weird. The Game Boy Advance one has no music in it. Was there no music in the Super Nintendo game? There was music, so uh, yeah. It's that, a, is, it's, that it's, is a good point. Yeah, I don't know if they maybe they had to do that because of like I don't know, however they had to transfer it. But yeah, I I there was no music and I thought the sound effects sounded weird. I mean, I understand like I said before, the audio for the Game Boy Advance is not as good as the Super Nintendo. We talked about that before, like with you having the Final Fantasy games on there and how people have made ones that have better soundtracks now because the the soundtracks on there are not as good as the Super Nintendo ones quality wise. But uh yeah, I had a I, I played it for a little bit. I couldn't beat I couldn't beat the first boss. I got stuck on whatever the I forget what it was. It was like a tiger or something, like whatever the first boss is on that, I couldn't beat it. Even though I threw like multiple seeds or whatever at them that you that you throw out of out of your bag but yeah i couldn't really get into it and i haven't really been into any of the pit pitfall games before so that one didn't really hook me and i and it kind of like it felt sort of empty without without music either does the original pitfall does it show does it show your life meter as the form of a crocodile like eating you and it gets closer to you like every time you get hit. You mean the the one on Super Nintendo? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Oh, okay. Cuz it does, I thought that was an interesting thing. Cuz uh there's another there was another game on here that did that too. Where like your well, the life whole, the whole game uh, Pitfall of My Adventure, you're the son of the guy from Pitfall oh, and you're going and, to find him. And you're trying to rescue your dad, which Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a not that surprising of a plot twist at the end when you rescue your dad. It's pretty hilarious, but uh yeah, I played all the way through the end of this game, and it was hard, and we just played the shit out of it. But there are passwords, so you can get to certain levels in the Super Nintendo version. So, you know, you weren't completely lost, like you didn't have to play it all through in one sitting, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I think might be that, wrong. You might have had to, but... I think that there's yeah. some I think there's some sort of saving in this one, maybe. I don't know, I didn't really look, but I think you can actually save on the, on the Game Boy Advance cart. Because I think other people had saves on there when I got it. I know Rayman had a save in it. It had has a save battery. I have every intention of eventually getting this game on Game Boy Advance, which you can have my copy if you want it. <laughs> well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. But I've got some, I've got some plans for Game Boy Advance for the future. Oh, okay. Well, if you uh, if you want to, if you want a copy of it, you can have my copy of it because I probably won't play it anymore. But wow, yeah, okay. Well, I'll just take it. I had a hard, yeah, I had a hard time getting into it, but um. I, but then again, I didn't, I couldn't really get into Pitfall. So that was a no for me on the, on the pick on that one, but that's possible yes for you on the, on the, well, just to have the it. music being gone is kind of important because the music was really cool. I, I thought the mu- the music is very nostalgic for me. It's a very, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's synth, it's synthy, but it's kind of like farty synth. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like the game, like the Genesis. <laughs> Like that's kind of the way the music is. Okay. It sounds really cool the way they do it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, mean, I can describe it. Yeah, there's like music when you start it, like in the title, but then when you get in the actual gameplay, there's no music. I mean, there's like some jungle noises. Like you'll hear like chirps of birds and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but you won't. And that was in the original. And as far as like the sound effects, those are always kind of off. Like 
when you would hit something, like be really loud. Like that was yeah. in the Super Nintendo version as well. Yeah, the sound effects are weird. Like like whenever you climb a vine, and like when you spin down it, it goes like like yep, that. It makes that like weird whip sounds that I think is the same the sound as when you whip your bag at somebody. Yep. I also found it weird that uh, you can change the controls around, but it's automatically set as jumping B and not A. Was was it like that in the Super Nintendo too? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Because it was automatically set up. You can go into the options and switch them around, but it was automatically set for it being B to jump, which is strange. Which actually, Earthworm Jim is like that too, where B is jump and not A, which uh, weirdly enough. But speaking of a game that does have uh, A as a jump, let's talk about Super Mario Advance real quick. Well, not real quick, for however long. Uh, Super Mario Advance, the game that brought about the confusion of numbers of Mario games for Game Boy, which we've talked about this that all again. This, but yeah, this is when it started. I thought this was, this, for me, this was an ultimate letdown because, just not because of like the quality of the game. The game's fine. I just really, I ex- really wanted Super Mario World to be a launch for Game Boy Advance and I was really bummed that it wasn't. And I felt it was really weird to do like a 16-bit version of Super Mario Brothers 2. Like I felt like that was just kind of an out of nowhere idea. Like it was like, who wanted that? And giving everybody voices now, <laughs> so now they all kind of grunt and whatever when they pick shit up. I don't know. That, what do you like that I, game? I would at agree all? with you. Like we wanted, a, we wanted an original Mario game for the the Game Boy, which we ne- the which Game we Boy ne- Advance, which we never we, we got. never got one. We never got an original. We never Zelda there was either. never an original Mario game for the Game Boy Advance. We didn't see a new well, original Mario game. In well, the platformer, yes, platformer wise. I mean, we got Mario, right, Mario and Luigi, which was an RPG. But I mean, for yeah. Support style, though. I mean, yeah. Like, no, you didn't get you didn't get a new Mario game, which was really weird. Like we we wouldn't and we wouldn't get one until New Super Mario Brothers on DS. Five or two thousand six. It was yeah. It was way down the road. It was probably I, I'm gonna guess six, but but yeah, it was um it was strange that well I guess I guess like Super Mario Brothers one had just been re released as Super Mario Brothers Deluxe on Game Boy Color, so I guess it would make sense to make two after yeah. that. It clearly made sense, like, it made sense, but it was still, like, really disappointing, like you're saying, because we all know this isn't a real Mario game. Well, yeah, it's a Doki Doki Panic, so it's not quite a real Mario game, but it's just, it was just a bizarre, I don't know, it just, it boggled my mind, like, why that would be their presentation of Mario for Game Boy Advance when it started. Just like, here's Mario 2, with better graphics and some extra stuff. Well, they did add extra stuff. I mean, they... Yeah, there's some extra... There's some the extra sprite bosses. scaling was like taken to like the extreme in it, like, you know, to show all the sprite scaling effects that the Game Boy Advance could do. There'd randomly be giant enemies, or like you'd pull something out of the ground and it would be a bad guy, not just a vegetable. Yeah, or the, or there are also giant vegetables as well that you pulled yeah. out. And there was different like if you stepped on something, it would like have a big guy that came out of it and it would like come up. And of course, this was also the beginning of putting Mario Brothers on every Mario release. Yep. You know, so you could play Mario Brothers against everyone. Even Mario and Luigi <laughs> Superstar Saga was yep. on there. And like Yoshi's Island and like all those other ones. Because you would think that since Super Mario Advance 1 was Super Mario Brothers 2, you would think that Super Mario Advance 2 would be Super Mario Brothers 3. But no, Super Mario Advance 2 was Super Mario World. Super Mario World. And then Super Mario Advance 3 was Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, and the Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario 3. It had all that confusion after that. It's weird that they just didn't call it Mario 2 Advance or something like that instead of like calling it Super Mario Advance in a number. 
But I have You know, it's strange. At least they stopped after that naming things confusing, you know, things. Yeah. After Game Boy Advance. Like they didn't release yeah. anything that was like new ni- Nintendo three DS, new Nintendo three DS XL. <laughs> well, they released systems like that, but at least um when they did New Super Mario Brothers, there was New Super Mario Brothers one and New Super Mario Brothers two on DS and three DS. I guess. And yeah. there's new Super Mario Brothers Wii, new Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Yeah, I guess, yeah. No, I guess they're still doing that. But it's not as confusing as Mario Advance, Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3. Well, yeah. it was when they really started digging with, into with, their with Becky. back catalog. <laughs> with Becky. Yeah. It's when they really started digging into their back catalog and be like, all right, let's just re-release everything because yeah. we've got like a bunch of kids that never played the Super Nintendo that are getting a Game Boy Advance for Christmas or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's weird the way they so like Mario and Zelda they got you didn't get any new like Mario new new Legend of Zelda you got re-releases of the Super Nintendo games you got a re-release of Super Mario World and Super Mario World Two Minish Cap oh yeah no Minish Cap you're right forgot about Minish Cap so yeah Minish Cap was on there but I was gonna say like so we got these re-releases of this but we never got a re-release of Super Metroid on there nope which is weird but we did get two new well one new one like remake metroid games on there which was cool but yeah i don't know the super mario advance i have it on virtual console on wii u virtual console so i played around with it for a while but i'm just not i'm not a huge fan of super mario brothers 2 i mean it's it's, i'm not saying it's a bad game i just not really never really got into it so this one didn't really hook me is kind of a no buy for me, but I understand that people that like Mario Two would want to play it. You know, it looks it looks pretty. Um, I I've think... been playing it on my uh, NES Classic. Like I have a yeah. file going on that. Yeah, that so one's... I have been playing it. That one's gruntless, so it's uh, less annoying. But uh, yeah, it's 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 okay. I just it just wasn't really what I wanted at the time. But speaking of other games that I didn't that I didn't want at the time, uh, <laughs> I played I played Army Man Advance. And uh, Ready to Rumble Advance, and both of those games, I think, were pretty were not very good, especially Ready to Rumble. I think that game, that game ended up getting a three from IGN, a three out of ten, and it really sucks. Like I thought that, I thought that maybe my emulator was not working properly, but then I looked at the review and they said that the controls just don't work on the game. So that one was. But you could beat Michael Jackson in it. Yeah, apparently you can unlock Michael Jackson, but I couldn't. I couldn't get past the first. Uh, fight because i was having a hard time with the controls and i basically got beat every time and the, and like ready to rumble is already a pretty mediocre game for like playstation and, and 64 so making it into well, a portable makes it remember, makes it more it mediocre a, uh, it was a launch title for the ps2 ready to rumble 2 oh yeah it was on dreamcast also mm-hmm. so if i got there was a dreamcast version of it. but i don't think any of the versions of it were actually very good they were all mediocre so a smaller version of but it made it even like more mediocre <laughs> Yeah, well, it was like the NBA Jam of boxing games. Uh, yeah, but it just never really worked, I think, on any level. So that one was definitely a no for me. We can skip. We can go through that one pretty quickly. But skip I did. It. But I did play it, you know. And there was no multiplayer. There's no hookup. I mean, I, I did play it for what it was. Army Men Advance, I thought looked like an NES game, and apparently some people like it. <laughs> I couldn't get through the first level. There's like no health. If this is another like one button game where you just walk around and hit A to shoot people. I never got into any of the Army Men games, but I guess there was like four or five of them on 64, so I understand why they carried it on to uh, Game Boy Advance. And I think they ended up making like three or four sequels to this game also, so it just kept going. So people like this one enough, but I thought that the graphics looked really simple on it, and the animation was so-so, and it was really hard to win, and there's no there was no health or anything like that. So pass on that one. 
Let's see what else do we have left. Oh yeah, looking at it, it kind of actually reminded me a little bit of a Hotline Miami. Oh, but Hotline Miami's cool. <laughs> I like, I like. Yeah, that but day. it reminded me a little bit of that sort of layout, like how it works. Oh, because it's kind of a well, Hotline Miami's like sort of is like a shooter, but it's like more strategic. And I guess you could be more strategic in Army Man also, but I don't Just think it's some, as strategic saying, like, as Hotline. All laid yeah. out where you're going around and like there's people firing on you from off screen and stuff like. Yeah, it did sure. Me of that a little. Oh yeah, I didn't even think I didn't even think about Hotline Miami on there, but I guess I could see the similarities. One one game that I thought was really really cool though was uh, Choo Choo Rocket. Have you played that game? No, but I saw I watched videos of it, I, and I remember Choo Choo Rocket just because of the weird name. Like, what the fuck is Choo Choo Rocket? Well, uh, supposedly Choo Choo is like a means like mouse in in, in Japanese. Like we looked it up earlier because uh, you know because there's there's little characters in Zelda called Choo Choo's, like the big uh, the big guys, and then there's Bombshoes. Yeah. Yeah, and the bomb chews also. Well, the bomb chews look like mice, so I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense. But but the choo chews, yeah. the big ball choo chews, that doesn't make sense. Like for that being the name, but but anyway, uh, choo choo rocket is like a puzzle game of sorts where you basically direct this group of mice into these holes, and then the then the rockets, then they shoot off in a rocket. And later later, you, you know, you have to deal with with uh, cats as well, which you have to like. And you place like a block on the on a maze type thing that'll make them go a certain way. It's like up, down, left, right, whatever. And there's certain levels where you'll use those to redirect the cats in different ways also. But I, I had a lot of fun with it. I played through like the first like fifteen levels or so on there. I thought it was a really cool game. It's a game that I really but wish you, you was... pretty much lay like all your shit down at the beginning and then just hit play, right? Is yeah. Kind of how it works. Yeah, you lay a couple blocks down and then you hit play. And you can actually hit play twice and they'll go quicker to see where they're going but yeah what i what i ended up doing is i would just like when the level started i would just hit play at the beginning to see where they were going to go and then kind of try to figure out where i would put the where i would put the blocks after that but yeah yeah you, is there a penalty for being able to do it right like initially like not, does it do a high score sort of thing if you can solve it your first try or anything like that not that i know of not that i noticed it was just mostly just go to the next thing but what's really cool is there's like a four player mode on there that you can do where like you're all like mice running around and you can you know put little blocks around to try to redirect your uh the guys that you're playing against which is really cool there's a four player link mode on there you can also like build your own mazes you can build you can like draw your own characters there's like all this like cool extra stuff that's on there aside from the robust just puzzle mode on it i mean that one was a definite for me like if i was if i was buying games it's always good to have like i always have like a checklist of games that i want to have for a system like when i get a new system it's like i want a good like fighting game i want a good puzzle game like i want a new good like RPG this is a or a good adventure game. game originally right well it was a 
I know it's a Sega game. It was probably on Dreamcast, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like it was on that. I, I, yeah, I know it was made by Sega, and it was probably a port of that, but it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a, if I found it cheap somewhere, I'd totally get it. I really wish it was on Virtual Console. I don't know why it isn't. I mean, it's a Sega game. They own it, right? And they, Sega's still sure. releasing stuff for Nintendo. I mean, I guess there hasn't been any Genesis games for the Wii U, but there has been Genesis games for 3DS, like a lot of them. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's something I'd really like to see released on Virtual Console in the future because it's a really fun game. It's a definitely, definite yes, thumbs up for me. Plenty of, plenty of fun stuff to do on it. And I totally recommend playing it if you haven't played it. Speaking of Sega, let's go into a Pinobi Wings of Adventure. Did you watch any of that stuff? I don't understand this game. <laughs> I can His ex- head gets big. Yeah, the, I can explain. The big head kind of throws me off. Yeah, the big head is really weird. Basically what happens is um, this this was made by people who made Sonic the Hedgehog. So it came from kind of that same development, and it feels a lot like a Sonic game, except now you can sort of fly for a minute. It's another, like, one-button game. It's just, like, moving and hitting A. And you basically you get these upgrades as you go through it, and you get a you get to fly like it's like getting a double jump almost like you can you can jump and then double jump again and then you'll get to double jump again after that and then double jump again after that like flying and when you get to the end of your double jumps is when your head gets big so i guess that's supposed to kind of let you know like when you're out of uh, the extra like fly boost or whatever cuz you do get like a lot more as you go through the game. Like I played through the first like 15 levels or so of the game and I played through a couple bosses. And that's kind of I guess that's why the head thing is there because when I first started playing it and his head kept getting big, I'm like, "Wow, this is really weird. Like why is that on there?" But then when I got to where I got the upgraded jumping, it kind of made sense. It's like, "Okay, you do that when you run out of run out of like an extra jump, his head gets big." Well, I've watched a couple of playthroughs of the game, not all the way through, but and then I've seen a few people sh- say it's a hidden gem sort of thing. Yeah, some people and, like, like it. I'll see people play it and like they just ignore the giant head. So I kind of <laughs> realize like maybe the giant head thing is like something you just phase out eventually. But so it's just a visual cue that you're on your final jump, right? Yeah, it, basically, it, yeah, it's letting you know that you can't jump again or that you can't do the zip or whatever you call it. I say, uh, yeah, I would, I, I gave it a, I mean, I gave it a good buy if like you were looking for a 2D platformer type game because I guess you got that in Rayman, you know, they're similar. But I mean, it's, it's solid for that type of thing. You know, if you're looking for something aside from like Rayman or Mario Advance, it's, it's decent. I mean, it's okay. If you like your head getting giant. Yeah. Well, they wanted to show that giant, uh, sprite expansion, right? But yeah, once you get when you get farther in the game, you really don't see the head blow up as much, so you it won't really bother you. Yeah, if that if that's what's bothering you when you get to later in the game, it'll it'll get better. What else do we got? Uh, Super Dodgeball. I played that game. I never really got into those games that much. It was fun for what I played. I played like three or four matches. That was an NES game originally, right? It was an NES game originally, and they decided to make another one for the Game Boy Advance, which has better graphics, and you have, like, super throws in this one. It it did not use the same sprites. No, no, not the same sprites. The sprites look much better, actually. It looks good. I mean, the game looks good. There's kind of like a, you know, sort of like an RPG-ish thing in it. I don't know if you can actually upgrade your characters, but, you know, you go from, like, one place to another, and it's about your conquest to become the best super punch-out, or super punch-out, super dodgeball character. But it's fun. I mean, I had fun with just uh, catching the ball and throwing it at the other people. It's just, it wasn't a game I really got into, but I guess if the people... Anybody who liked the NES game, I'd say totally pick it up for Game Boy Advance, for sure. What I'd I read was that it. they got a license for the game, but they didn't get a license for like the sprites. That's why they yeah. had to change the sprites. 
Oh, like, I thought they had mean, the, yeah. The, the images used in the um, actual game were like copyrighted separately because it was the same people that made like River City Ransom. Yeah, so it looks like and and yeah, they kind of look like Double Dragon also, like the same sort of like with the big heads and the like round fists. Right? I think it was Atlas, right? That made that. Oh, I don't know. Atlas does a. It was Atlas, so they did. Uh, oh, okay. They did River City Ransom. Um, so they had like a certain style of character design that they use. And when this game was made, uh, they started development once they got a license for the game, but before they got a license for the character design. So they had to change the, the sprites when they remade it. Oh, yeah. That's I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, well, I, I was saying that the sprites look different because they look better, but you're right. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have the design that you'd see from like River City Ransom. With those like bigger heads and like the round yeah. fists and all that, and I did notice that it looked different, but I didn't know that it yeah that it was that deep as far as like why it looked different. I only played it a little bit, so it's kind of like I know I figured it wouldn't be one that we talk talk a whole lot about, but it's it's okay. I mean it's it's a decent buy if you like. Well, that's type why of games. the sprites look different. Yeah, <laughs> and there you go. It's that's why the sprites look different. Yeah, for sure. Did you uh, look into anything on Fire Pro Wrestling, which is a game I said I got pushed into getting from John? Apparently, I I I. I like I had the hardest time getting into it when I had it and I can't get into it again this time. But apparently it's like a very technical wrestling wrestling game. Like it doesn't involve the quick pushing of buttons or anything like that. And that's why a lot of people have a hard time getting into it. But then again, there's like no training mode on there, like no tutorial. So I don't know how to play it. I apparently I suck at it. I couldn't win at all. I read a review on IGN. They said it was incredibly an incredibly deep uh, wrestling game. But I don't know. I didn't look at any any sort of like strategy guides about it. I guess you'd have to read up to figure out how to play it. But I couldn't really figure out how to play it. Two more left. Um, I know it's a long list. It's like 17 games, but the last two games were like the two that I still have in cartridge form, you know, that I didn't actually have to buy new versions of. And they were, of course, uh, you know, F-Zero and Castlevania Circle of the Moon. I covered both of those last. I used, uh, I played Castlevania Circle of the Moon last, actually, because uh, I figured that would be the one that I'd want to spend the most time with. I actually like it a lot better than I did when it came out. The main problem I had with it when it came out, like we were saying before, was the Game Boy wasn't backlit, so it was really hard to see the game. The game was very, it was a very dark game. So if you didn't have a good life for your Game Boy, it was very difficult to play. And also, uh, also like the whole, the way it's, the system works with the cards, I basically had, like I was playing the game and I caught, I got a couple cards and I died and I came back and I never got those cards again <laughs> because they're very, very random the All way the they drop. All the cards are super rare. Yeah, they, they all randomly drop. Like, I remember playing the game and, like, lending it to you and you playing it. And, like, I, like, would look at your file and you had completely different cards that I did. Because you would have, whoever played it would have different cards. Because they were, like, super random and super rare, I guess. I mean, I've been playing, I played the game, like, I played through, like, two bosses. And I only got, like, maybe two cards. I had, like, four cards and one save, but I died and lost two of the cards. So I ended up with two with only two at the end. But it was the beginning of greatness for Castlevania, though. 
because that's what brought, you know, what was it? Was it Harmony of Dissonance? Was that the one before? Yeah, it was Harmony of Dissonance, and then it was Area of Sorrow, which Area of Sorrow was, like, the one that I felt like that was, like, the pinnacle. That was, like, the best one out of all of them. But Harmony of Dissonance was good, too. It was better, but, you know. I will say, uh, back in the day, it was a couple years ago when I finally bought a Wii U. I was super disappointed when I found out, you know, you couldn't get Game Boy Advance games on the 3DS. Yeah. Which I was like, well, there were ambassador games that were Game Boy Advance games. So I was really disappointed. But when they released Game Boy Advance games on the Wii U, I was like, well, fuck it. Like, I want to play these games. I want a Wii U yeah. already. Like, yeah. I already knew I wanted a Wii U. Yeah. I'm like, I can play these games on the gamepad. Like, you know, a huge, it's the big Game Boy Advance, which is, the gamepad works really well as a giant Game Boy Advance for all those PC oh, yeah. titles. No, I love the I love the, the way they the ones that they have on there. I wish they had more. But yeah, I totally felt the same way as you did. Like I bought a three DS and I expected that those ambassador games would be available to buy. But no, they're not. They were only available to the ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And I was really bummed because I wanted to play all those three D S all the Game Boy Advance games on three D S because it makes sense to be able to play portable games on a portable system, right? But then they right. ended up only being on Wii U. But the great thing was, yeah, you get a Wii U, now you can play the Castlevania games. Because they and did all put three all three of them, of them on there, out, like yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I think they came out. Yeah, I think they came out like on the same week or something like that. They did. Yeah. And I bought all three of them, man, and I have all three. And like, I played through uh, Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow. I have not played all the way through Circle of Moon. I still haven't played all the way through that game. Yeah, how, how far? So so much harder by comparison. It is. How far did you get in it? I'm a, I'm in a big zombie dragon that kicks my ass. Oh yeah. I was the last thing that I did on this one was the was like the Reaper, the guy with the hood, which is only like the second boss. So I didn't I didn't play for that long, but I was enjoying it for the most part. But yet it is difficult. Like I probably died like six times before I got there, and I know it. I mean, I never finished the game all the way. Like uh, even though you know, even though like I remember trying to play it on Game Boy Advance SP when I got that, so I could see all the stuff in the background. But I'm gonna try to. I don't know. I'll probably play it some more, see how far I can get in it. But I remember it being incredibly difficult, and I remember getting stuck on bosses and all that. But it was a. It's a hard game. Yeah, I was really excited when it came out as a, as a Game Boy Advance launch title because, you know, that was the future of Castlevania, and I was like really excited to play a game like that because it kind of came on the right on the heels of um, Symphony of the Night, right, which I didn't play, but everybody loved, like you loved it. You talked about it, and it was good that they were making games like this, you know. And then Rondo of Blood, which I didn't even know about, came out before that. But uh, yeah, it was, it was cool that they were going, starting to do these Metroidvania type things. Well, actual Castlevania games that are like Metroid on Game Boy, and they made three of them, and then continued to make them on DS. And it was a glory day that we could play all this great stuff. It was man, and Circle of the Moon is a fantastic game. Um, yeah. No matter what, like if you get stuck in that game, you can grind. Yeah, you, you can, can hold and grind and save and grind yeah. and save. You can hold the B button and say in some areas and just go in and just yeah. gain experience without doing anything. You can tape your button down and just. Uh, Yep. Let it go for, uh, you know, leave it charged in with a GBASP and just, just let him throw that whip around <laughs> for, like, hours if you, you know, have the ability to do that. Which I always thought about doing, like, some of the levels where the Medusa heads, like, fly at you. Just, like, hold the B button down and just let it. Because they'll, they'll just keep coming back. Like, you can do it forever. Yeah. The ghosts, like, the levels where the ghosts are spotting are the best spots to do that. Like yeah, the, I don't know if you actually tried that. They're not, like, the Medusas, but I, I always yeah. do it with the ghosts. Okay, I was yes, thought about I, doing it. Yes, that. I did tape down my button. Yeah. <laughs> with scotch tape and a, and a rolled up piece of paper, like a rolled nice. up piece of notebook paper. 
Yeah, I was wondering how you would do it. Like, what I was thinking about maybe like with pennies or something, or I don't know. You use hair ties and pennies or nickels, and yeah, or like if you roll up a piece of paper, like you're making a, a spitball, he would shoot oh, okay. with the band. Yeah, sure. And it probably he, has to be pretty tight. Like the band has to be pretty tight. Yeah, maybe I should try that sometime. But man, Circle of the Moon was a fantastic intro to like when it came to Game Boy Advance. Ultimately, that was the game I gravitated towards the most. Oh, yeah, that that was a selling point. This is a new Symphony of the Night type of game. Completely portable, hard as fuck to see, but if you're out in direct (laughs) sunlight, which which encouraged me to be out in the sunlight. Yeah, like like, uh, Boktai. Yeah, Yeah. I would actually be outside when I was in college, like when this game came out, I would go outside. So you could see it better. And sit sit down in the courtyard with the sunlight directly at on top of me and so I can play the game and I'm playing this like dark gothic castle game about Dracula in the direct sunlight because that was the only way I could see it <laughs> yeah and it, it did it it should help you kill Dracula then since the direct sunlight is coming on it should yeah it <laughs> probably not it should no it's 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 a cool game and I'm hoping to play it more and it, and yeah it was part of it was a major selling point for me in the Game Boy Advance and I think that's why I got the Game Boy Advance as soon as I did was because of that, and I was really excited about a new Castlevania game. Because before that, in Nintendo World, like all there had been was the 64 ones, which you know some people hated. I thought the first one was okay, but you know it wasn't it wasn't that. And then I finally had that you know RPG Metroid type game, you know where you could go around and gain levels and all that. And the and the other the, let's do the last one real quick. Uh, F Zero was I was super excited about just because it had the look of the Super Nintendo game. You know, it was all like Mode Seven and all that. And I was originally kind of disappointed with it because it didn't control exactly the same as the original Super as the original F Zero. But I but I played through all of it today. Like I went through all the races and I just played it differently and I, and I enjoyed it more. Like instead of like breaking on everything, you kind of just have to tap the accelerator. But it does play a lot like the original game. You just have to play it differently. But that game is is cool. I mean, I kind of was a little I don't know. I was I was a little like uh, jaded about it because it wasn't exactly like the original F Zero like I wanted it to, but wanted it to be. But playing it again, I had fun with it. You know, they they have they, like, were, they, they actually there were two F Zero games on the Game Boy Advance. There were F Zero GP Legend was the last F Zero game as well, the one that came out later, which was based on the F Zero anime, which I didn't like that one very much either when it came out. So maybe I should try playing it again. And play it the same way as I did uh, Maximum Velocity. Maybe I'll get it better. Those both those are both available on Virtual Console. I have a cartridge version of both of them also. So maybe I'll just play it on my Game Boy Player, which is how I played most of these. Well, how I played all the ones that had cartridge, I played it through the GameCube. But yeah, I like that one. I give it a thumbs up for buy for a good buy. I did the same thing for Castlevania. Got a thumbs up as well. Um, Hell yeah, man! If I was uh, way yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. If I was to get, if I was to go back in time and have enough money to buy five games from the original lineup, I would probably get, I would get Castlevania, Choo Choo Rocket, I would get uh, Konami Crazy Racers and Rayman, and uh, what should I get for a fifth one? I don't know, probably, uh, probably, probably, Mario. probably, probably Tony Hawk, I guess. No, not Mario Dance. I guess Tony Hawk. But yeah, there's a uh, those three three new ones that I didn't know were great that I found out on my playthrough was uh, uh, Choo Choo Rayman and uh, Konami Crazy Racers were three gems that I didn't know about that are very cool. But yeah, that uh, concludes our very long list of Game Boy Advance titles. Hopefully, you were able to stay awake through all of it. <laughs> we've we've been your hosts. Oh wait, you want to close it out? 
Yeah, I was going to close it out. You don't want to close it out? Well, no, I wanted to talk about the future of my Game Boy Advance, because I, I'm a huge fan of the Game oh, Boy wait. Advance. Oh, wait, yeah, hold up. We're not closing out yet. You got, what's the, tell us about your Game Boy Advance future. All right, man, well, you might know, the Game Boy Advance is my favorite system of all time. Yeah. It's more favorite than the GameCube, unfortunately. I know you love the GameCube, but... I think I love the Game Boy Advance more. Well, what's great about the Game Boy Advance at this point in history is that it's super moddable. You can get a hold of a Game Boy Advance, take the motherboard out of it, and change the screen out, and change the body. You can do a lot of shit with it. It's really fun, and I've been playing around with that a little bit. So my ultimate Game Boy Advance is going to be taking an original Game Boy Advance with that solid body before the SP. I'm going to put the guts of an AGS-101 in it. What's an AGS-101? An AGS-101 is the uh, SP that was brighter. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the final one with the really good screen, right? Yep. Yeah. They had the same brightness as uh, the original Fat Brick DS. It had the same brightness screen. Yeah. I want to take an original Game Boy Advance, put the AGS-101 screens in it, and then I get a hold of this thing called it everdrive have you heard of an everdrive it's a, basically a cartridge that has like everything on it right or has like 100 yep. games or whatever yeah so then you have the ultimate game boy with everything available the game boy advance everdrive came out within the past six months and it, basically you get the device but you have to tear apart a game and then splice you have to put the uh, everdrive into an old game boy advance game shell Oh, okay. But you can't you then, can't buy one that's already in a shell. You have to like do it yourself. You can, but you have to spend a bunch of money extra. But yeah. So oh. that's my goal. Yeah, you should the do that. That sounds cool. You have the I ultimate think, Game Boy. I don't think I communicated it well this time, but I think in a lot of previous episodes I've said, you know, the Game Boy Advance in my opinion is the best portable system that ever came out. Especially with the later releases with the SP and the clamshell design. So Yeah. Yeah. I like the ultimate the- SP for me though, it's not the clamshell. It's the original Game Boy Advance body with a backlit screen. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to get a Game Boy Micro, but those are pretty expensive now. So I thought that'd be cool to carry because of how small they are. You can just carry them around in your pocket. Well, combined with the EverDrive, that would be perfect. Yeah. Well, the Game Boy Micros have the same brightness as the original DS, also, and the DS Fat. Yep. So, and it, but those are kind of expensive now, I guess, because it's because they're more rare. But yeah, you should totally do that. And whenever you finish that project, we'll like do a video of it and show it and all that on our YouTube channel at uh, YouTube slash Fingmater. We'll put it on there. But yeah, I, I hope that you can get that drive. We'll definitely talk about in the future. Is that a good for the our Game Boy Advance? I think so. Launch lineup episode. All right. I think so well, there there you have it. We gave you the uh, Nintendo's biggest launch lineup in history maybe the switch will be bigger maybe it won't we'll find out but we'll find out that next week so make sure you tune tune in next week to nintendo main that's our that's our uh, podcast that you heard uh we are your hosts i'm trey johnson jerry mikowski and uh we'll see you next week for the switch stuff so you know like us on itunes and send us emails and all that in the meantime see you later happy switch miss happy switch mass